Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes UConn, the podcast where we talk about the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that what we saw from the UConn women tonight is uh, Warren's consideration at that category. You know, the UConn women, they've won a lot of games, but it feels like they have over the course of their history it doesn't feel like they've played that many like just epic epic games and i feel like this we're being treated to some good ones in this tournament between this win tonight against baylor and the win against iowa the other night this is some entertaining as heck basketball and it's been really something to see tim tim fontenot's here with me uh we just uh, it's about 9 30 on monday night so the game just ended a short time ago so Tim, uh, first things first. I mean, what a game! Tell what. How do you feel right now after after watching that? <laughs> well, uh, as an overweight asthmatic, I'm still trying to catch my breath after that one. But I mean, what a game! Just like you said, there's been there have been so many like iconic moments in UConn women's basketball history. But it feels like a lot of the time they're just you know, if they if they win a big game, like they end up running it up to like you know double digits a lot of times you know not, not many of these games have been close and in the last few years those games that were close i'm thinking the couple final four games against notre dame the final four game against mississippi state you know they they were too close they came down to buzzer peter losses and it just felt like as the game was winding down it was like oh no this is going to happen again like uconn's going to lose on the final possession again and obviously there was very much a chance of that happening but you know, a game that UConn has lost so often the last few years, well, so often in the grand scheme of things, but uh, just a great, great win for a young team that keeps this Final Four streak going and now, you know, wins a national championship game in the Elite Eight, you really have to say, and gives them a really good opportunity to go win the title. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who maybe missed it, uh, so um, UConn won 69-67, uh, and it was a terrific game. Just a you know a really competitive game throughout. Both teams had some big runs. I mean, you you want like an exciting game. I mean, you have JJ Watt on Twitter just being like, "Yo, you got to turn this you know UConn Baylor game on." And you know, it's I I don't understand how Baylor was a two seed. Like that team is really good. They're technically or up until a moment ago the defending you know national champions still. I guess so. It it was a weird. I guess it's like a weirdly awesome matchup to get in the elite eight, but boy, I mean, you know, UConn's going into the final four, but I mean, you can't say they're not battle tested now. I mean, that was a, that was a great team and that was a great game. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. How do you want to do this, man? Do you want to run kind of just how it all played out or just uh, go big picture first? Because there's a lot here. There, this is a, this is a big one for, for the women. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, you're the captain. I'll follow you. I will just say I agree. I feel like Baylor should have been a one seed. I know it was really close between like five or six teams going into this tournament, but man, it's really hard to say that just because they had those canceled games, they shouldn't have gotten a one seed. 28-2, and two, one of those losses is at Arkansas, which is the only game UConn lost this season too so far. Um, you know, a close game against Iowa State, and then they go into a pause where they missed that chance to play UConn, but Man, it just feels like this was a game that even if Baylor doesn't get a two seed, it feel or doesn't get a one seed, it feels like we were robbed of what could have been a really great national title game. But uh-huh. we did still get a great game in the process. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's you don't get very many Elite Eight games like this. Over if you go back through the uh, the thirteen straight Final Four appearances, which is just an absurd stat. UConn has made the Final Four every year since two thousand and eight. Like 
how old like what Paige Beckers was what five years old or something like that I mean <laughs> it's it's just it's getting it's getting me pretty preposterous but yeah i mean you go through yeah. that like i don't i don't recall many of those elite eight games being all that exciting i certainly can't remember any of them and you know maybe people might get mad at me but i could be missing a good one but i i this is they certainly weren't any like this that's for sure this is usually the national yeah. semifinal. um all right well why don't we start with the place uh that i think probably is going to get the most attention and that is the final possession um Baylor fans are pretty are pretty uh, mad about this and to be honest they have maybe a decent case for it um the the final shot it, it sure it sure looked like there was a foul on that play uh Tim what, what do you I guess what do you think was there a foul at the, on the end or did you kind you know was it the right call there I mean there was a lot of contact um easily could have been called a foul but I just think, and you know, based on how the rest of the game played out, that would have been really, it would have been ridiculous to call a foul there, based on you know what we saw at the other end of the floor with Paige Beckers getting hacked all night, and you know I'm not trying to say like you know the the rest were, you know, one way or another, but that was you know, it wouldn't have sat right. I know Baylor fans are obviously really upset, and they definitely like they have a, they have a case because. You know, there was a lot of contact, but I just feel like if that was called when so much stuff at the other end wasn't being called, it wouldn't have sat right. I guess so. Yeah, and I did a, t- a terrible job describing what happened. So basically, on the final possession, uh, UConn is up by one, and uh, Dejonai Carrington drives to the basket, and she's met there by Aaliyah Edwards and Olivia Nelson Adota, who basically just totally stonewall her right at the edge of the paint. And if you look at the you know the photos afterwards, it's kind of looks like one or both of them foul her on the play. I mean, it was basically like one of those plays that you, you see it happen all the time where, you know, a, a player runs basically into a brick wall and it's just a big collision and the ball just kind of goes nowhere. So, you know, the, 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 the offensive player gets the call on that a lot. And it was a, you know, I guess it was consistent. I mean, the refs really did like get let a lot slide. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Tim, we were just over the last month. How often have we talked about how lame it is that the new, you know, new Big East refs are just like calling fouls and everything? So here's the opposite. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> obviously it worked out in UConn's favor today <laughs> specifically, but you know, Page Page is going to have some bruises too. So I don't know. What do you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it seems yeah, that's just like, and you know, that's how Baylor has always played against UConn too. Like, and in, in, in general, they're an unbelievably physical team, and. You know, it's not a bad thing. They are, you know, they're just big. They're strong. That's how they. That's how they've always been, and that's how they've always been. So, such a great team. Like, you can't. You know, we we can't ignore the fact that this is an absolutely outstanding program that UConn just beat, and you know, so they they knew what would work, and it almost worked fully for them today. And you know, we have been talking for years about you know some of the suspect officiating, and not just in women's basketball across college basketball in general but a lot of times in the women's game uh there's a lot of you know these big games we've seen a lot of really rough calls that either you know things that were called that shouldn't have been or egregious things that should have been that weren't and you know sometimes they go your way sometimes they don't and you know it sucks for Baylor but you know this time it played out in UConn's favor yeah, well, you know, there is certainly a lot that went into the game that even led up to that point, uh, including the fact that UConn went on a 19 to nothing run to basically flip the game on its head, uh, you know, midway through the second half, which was, uh, was astonishing to watch in real time. Like, 
it, it was so you know I should probably start by mentioning too. So you know B- Baylor takes a I want to say was it a nine or a ten point lead? It was it was somewhere in that ballpark when all of a sudden D- yeah so all of a sudden D.D. Richards goes down with like a hamstring injury and. You know, honestly, at up to that point, like it looked like UConn forgot how to play basketball. Like they looked terrible. <laughs> like just turning the ball over, just driving to the hoop, missing bunnies. It was it was it was bad. They looked terrible. And then that injury happens, and it was just like, it, oh man, it was like they smelled blood, or they, you know, flipped the switch, or whatever metaphor you want to use. And it was just like what, just a totally different team out there. They started making everything. They get all the stops. Just, I mean, I mean. Look, the UConn women have done this, been doing this for years, so I shouldn't be surprised, but it was just a sight to behold. And, you know, next thing you know, now that nine or ten point deficit turns into a seven or eight point lead. And here we go. Uh, down the stretch we come. So, you I don't know any what, what are we with? What are you thinking when that injury happened? And like, like as they get going, like, like it was a it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty emotional swing. I, I, at least that's how I felt about it. Yeah, it was like obviously that ended up being one of the most decisive moments of the game. And the only thing I'll say, because obviously, you know, you want UConn to take advantage and you want them to go on the run, which they did, and they did a great job of it. But um, it was really, it was tough to see that given who it was. If you've been following this tournament or if you've been following women's basketball this season, you know the story of Dee Dee Richards and how she was partially paralyzed earlier this in the fall of last year. And for her to come back and be such an incredible part of this Baylor team leading to this point. And then for her to come out of the game like that injured and, you know, have yet to keep seeing shots of her on the sideline and just unable to do anything to help her team get out of that. You know, it's, you know, it ended up working out in UConn's favor, but that's such a a gut wrenching thing to see for any, any kid like that's that's so upsetting for her yeah it was it was definitely tough I, I was actually surprised to see the box score after I, I for some reason it felt like she had was a lot more productive than she was she only had four points she only had two assists two rebounds and only attempted four shots but like she was though, she was everywhere she yeah like a, yeah she did a great job one-on-one on Paige Beckers early in the game yeah I mean it was uh you know, it was one of those like really impactful performances. And I mean, when she came off the court, I mean, you could tell it was Baylor just was just totally lost for a few minutes. I, I can't believe it took yeah. them as long as it did to call a timeout. Like, I don't, you know, uh, we, we, yeah. we don't, we don't need to get into that, I guess, but still, uh, it was, it was very, it was a very exciting finish. And then, uh, you know, the last few minutes, I mean, you know, Baylor did make one last run and made a game of it. And, uh, it got a little closer than I think we would have preferred. Um, you know, I, I can imagine that Kristen Williams is going to be taking a few extra free throws in practice the next week or so. But you know, I guess ultimately they got it done. So what are I, what what do we make of just where UConn is now? Because this game and the last game were just outrageously entertaining games. But beyond that, it like feels like UConn has figured out how to win in a way that. In past years, they they never really quite got until it was too late. So I don't know. Do we do do we feel like this team is like I don't, I don't want to say a favorite to win it all, but like is it trending that way where we should like realistically think like this is this might just happen? I think it's going to be really uh, if they first they have to get past Indiana or Arizona, obviously, and whatever happens, you know you're looking at the Stanford, South Carolina side of the bracket and saying that one of those teams or hey, uh, a Cinderella run is going to be a really tough out in a championship game. But like you said, this team is starting to learn how to win, which 
is so important, and I just I wasn't sure if they'd be able to do it at this point in the season. You know, obviously they only lost one game during the season, but it was a really close game against a great team. And this is a young team. This is a team with no seniors. This is a team with seven freshmen, and they're playing without one of those key productive freshmen right now with with Nika Mule out. And hopefully she's back for the final four. That would be huge for for the Huskies. But you know they've. It's, it's been really impressive to see what this team has been able to do in this tournament, you know, shutting down Syracuse and shutting down Caitlin Clark in Iowa and then holding on for this game against Baylor, which this team, like, this team the last few years loses that game, I feel like. But obviously having a player like Paige Becker helps, and, you know, it's even more impressive that they only did it with six players in the rotation. I think that this team is proving that, you know, they can absolutely win the title this year. I personally going into this season, I thought it was going to be a year away. And even up until the last few weeks, I've had that feeling that it might still be a year away. But at this point, they're proving they can do it now. Yeah, they. I mean, you know, they've beaten Baylor. They've beaten South Carolina. I mean, those are, it's going to be hard-pressed to find too many teams better than that, I guess, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we need to talk about Paige. Uh, just, you know, obviously enough has been said about how great she is. I mean, she is just beyond what any of us could have imagined. And you know, her performance tonight was just outrageous. She 28 points, you know, three, three rebounds. Actually, I'm stunned to see this. She actually did not have any assists, which is actually kind of shocking, you know, three steals, but she also went 10 for 22 from the field, you know, three for seven from, uh, from three and five for six at the line. And, you know, probably worth mentioning she had the game ceiling interception on the uh, last ditch inbound play uh, on Baylor's final possession after uh, you know after the the, the no call foul I guess um, and then yeah we just watched her kind of put on you know similar numbers against uh, Caitlin Clark and uh, Iowa which was absolutely lived up to the hype that that game was fun as hell too that was awesome <laughs> so I mean I, I just said like there's nothing left to say about Paige but I figure we need to say more about her because I mean, she's yeah. fun. She's just so fun. <laughs> so, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put it slightly diff- different view. We, um, at the end of the Iowa game, we see the Gino butt tap. And then tonight when she opens like her, you know, her thing with Holly Rowe, she just launches into a story about how Jaden Smith inspired her by, I don't know, I guess something he said in a song. And then he like showed up like in the karate kid. I, I don't I, I my millennial brain does not know what to make of that whole that whole deal. Yeah. But, how uh, did you feel at that point? <laughs> I, I felt I, I felt like I'm like at least uh, what is what's page like 18, 19. So that makes me like at yeah, least 19. 11 years older than which is bizarre. Yeah. I'm, I'm searching for the question. So just talk about page, I guess, because I, I'm like kind of floundering with any any coherent thought at like to what to make of her at this point. Look, I mean, what can you say? It, it's funny because she was outstanding tonight like you said the 28 point performance even she didn't even though she didn't have an assist and it still felt like you weren't like you weren't getting the full page backers experience tonight it almost feels like there's another gear she could have she could have gone to it parts of the game and you know what that's that's credit to dd richards that's credit to baylor for you know making her work for it all game but i mean when she turns it on she is just She's something else. Like there's, there's no one in basketball right now who does what Paige Backers does as a 19 year old freshman in the men's or women's game. At you know, I think you can say at either level. Like she's just different, and it's unbelievable to watch. We're watching at this point what is uh, a player who is without a doubt not only up there as one of the most talented players UConn has ever seen, but I think already at this point we're talking about a player with just the most raw talent 
we've ever seen come through these doors, which is just an unbelievable thing to say when you think about the players who have come through those doors. And there, there are three more years of this. What is she going to be when she is 22 years old? Like, that is the scariest thought. Is she even going to be on this team when she's 22 is, uh, is another question, but that's for another time. I mean, it's just, what more can you say? She's just unbelievable. And it's almost like with this team, it feels like there was a great supporting cast that was just waiting for the star player to get there. Like a lot of times I feel like in, in, you know, in college sports, you have a team that has a star, but he's waiting for, you know, they're trying to build a supporting cast around him. With, with Paige, it was already, like, it was pretty built when she got there. And then you add, obviously, Aaliyah Edwards comes in and Nika Mule comes in and they've been outstanding. But, you know, having Nelson Adota there, having Williams there, having Westbrook after her a year sitting on the uh, sitting out with the transfer, and, you know, even Aubrey Griffin has been outstanding. Like, Paige and Aaliyah and Nika, like, completed this team. And just watching what she's been able to do. Again, I'm just like, I'm fumbling for words at the moment because this is just, this is a 19-year-old freshman who is doing doing the most obnoxious things we've ever seen. She's been doing them since high school. She was making us drop our jaws then. Now she's doing it in the biggest moments of her career. And again, at a point where, you know, so many UConn legends have needed that first year to really get their you know, to get their feet wet or to really develop and, you know, have had stars in front of them who have been able to carry the load. She came in as a freshman and has had to be that star right away. It's unbelievable that she's, well, not really, because she's just, she's that player. So, like, it, it doesn't even feign belief at this point. She's just that good. Yeah, and I think what strikes me is that how obvious it is to, like, people who, theoretically shouldn't really notice or care or be predisposed to even catch that kind of glimpse, you know, like, like, like celebrities are just casually just on Twitter, just being like, yo, you got to turn on UConn right now. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't recall that being a thing when, you know, Brianna Stewart was leading them to four straight titles. I mean, she had objectively a perfect college career. Like mathematically, it's, I mean, almost impossible to really top what she accomplished. And, you know, Paige is technically, you know, Paige is on pace. I mean, they, they still, uh, you know, got a, her, her freshman year's team is, has a better record than, you know, Brianna's did. And I mean, Paige is pretty clearly is already seems to be a better player as a freshman than, you know, Stewie was at that point. And I mean, obviously Brianna Stewart's like the best woman's basketball player in the world. So like, you know, yeah. Paige has some work to do obviously to reach that level, but you know, yeah. in terms, in terms of pop culture ubiquity, like, it's she's got it i guess that's that's all i can really say it, it's it's by far you know i've had the pleasure of watching like the maya moore era you know the whole brianna stewart era and everything in between and i mean you know this is the most fun like the most fun yukon basketball team i think i've ever watched and maybe it's just because they're not they're they're like awesomely entertaining while also like playing relatively close games so i don't know if that's a strike for or against this this team considering that they're not just smashing the smashing the other teams to bits like the other teams have in the past but well i'm just i i love watching this team because you know whatever happens going to going into these next two games i mean of course if they lose to indiana or arizona we might be having a different discussion but you know it feels like this is a team where even if they don't win the title this year it's not necessarily a failure because you're watching a team with no seniors develop over the course of this season, this weird, funky season, whatever, you know, whatever's come 
everyone's way during this pandemic. And, you know, they're, they're so much fun to watch. They're having so much fun together and they're all going to be there next year. You know, unless someone transfers, which I don't know, I don't see that happening, but then you're adding in an unbelievable cast of freshmen with a player who might arguably be at Paige Becker's level. Like, this team is going to be terrifying for years to come. I mean, they've been terrifying forever, but it's like, it's almost watching, like, it's almost like a free, a free year. And they're just like, they might still win the national title in that free year, which is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we really shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. Just talking about next year, considering the opportunity that's right here. Right. But like that 2022 roster, it just is preposterous. Like, I think I, the phrase I keep coming back to is basically it's like basketball Voltron. Like, <laughs> I, like you, you, you add you, you literally take this team, this exact team, and you just add AZ FUD and, you know, just presumably, you know, whatever else. And I mean, my God, <laughs> like what are you supposed yeah. to do? Like, it's like, oh, so, okay. So you see Paige Beckers and how great she is. Yeah. The, the new, the new girl is like also that good, maybe even better according to some people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I failed. According I, to Paige. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it's exactly. Geez. Yeah. Like God. <laughs> of course, that's the other thing about Paige. I mean, we talk about how amazing she is, but you know, what a teammate she is too. I mean, she, she spends 40 minutes trying to lift everyone around her. You know, I, how many times have we heard the criticism from Gino that it's almost like she's trying to get everyone else into the game too much sometimes? Like, instead of her just taking the game by the scruff of the neck, she's trying to get everyone else, you know, get everyone else to looks when she should be the one taking them. Like, she's just such a great teammate and gets so hyped up when it's other people making the plays. You love seeing that, and that just makes the team even better. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, so UConn's going back to the final four and you know, it's, it's, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a time to be a UConn women's basketball fan. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's weird to say like, you know, you can't complain about UConn women the last few years cause they've been in the final four every year, but it definitely has felt a little different. So it is nice to have a team where sure. Look, they're not as dominant as some of the great teams of the, you know, like you know, you know that you know the ones like the the undefeated teams that just smashed everybody, but this team like you you definitely feel like they're at a championship level, and it's nice to see. Yeah. So in this semifinal game, so I, by the time everybody hears this, we're gonna know who UConn's semifinal opponent will be. Uh, right now, as we speak, Arizona is leading uh, Indiana, twenty seven twenty three at halftime. So whatever, you know, one of those teams will win. And, you know, UConn will have its opponent. In either case, Arizona's the three seed, Indiana's the four. So we're not exactly talking about, like, you know, super elite teams at the level of Baylor and some of the teams on the other side of the bracket. So, I mean, in theory, the semifinal should be, you know, an easier matchup for UConn than Baylor. But, you know, I mean, Tim, without knowing the opponent, I guess, what do you think about the semifinal? And I guess the importance of UConn to you know, not get overwhelmed by the final four moment while also maybe all trying not to overlook a potentially, you know, weaker opponent than what they just saw in Baylor. Yeah. I mean, look, you obviously just can't, you know, you have to forget about who you're playing against. Yeah. You just have to, you know, think about winning the game. And I think no matter what happens, this, this game, this final four game, is just going to be such a great, a great moment for the women's tournament, just because, either Indiana or Arizona is going to the final four for the first time. And it's just another moment when another team is breaking through in, you know, 
anyone who was coming out of that bracket, really, except, you know, Texas A&M has won a title in the last decade. But, you know, it's so great to see other teams that aren't UConn and Baylor and Maryland or Louisville or Stanford, South Carolina, like teams really breaking through. And you look on the other side, Texas making it to the Elite Eight again as a six seed. Um, you know, Oregon making a run as a six seed. Obviously, they're a different story because they're, you know, they're outstanding. We had some great upsets throughout this tournament. I just think, you know, it's another great moment. So it's going to be cool for one of those. Like, obviously, one of those teams is going to have the unfortunate situation of running into the UConn in their first Final Four appearance, but it's a first Final Four appearance, and hopefully it's something that both programs can build on. And, you know, shout-out to them, shout-out to teams like Texas and Michigan and all the other teams that went on runs here. You know, Missouri State making a run to the Sweet 16, you know, teams like that. It's just, it's great to see that in the women's tournament. And, you know, again, as we talked about last time, you know, this is a this is a great sport with a lot of great teams, and you have to be on your... You have to be on your A game just about every time you step on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, on the other side of the bracket, I mean, um, these these uh, Elite Eight games will be played tomorrow, but we know that Stanford, or excuse me, the Tuesday, so for you guys all listening today, uh, you know, we have Stanford and Louisville in one game and uh, South Carolina and Texas in the other. So one of those four teams would, you know, eventually make it to the national championship game. And, you know, this is a, that's a compelling story no matter what. I mean, UConn has played Stanford in the national championship game before. Same with Louisville. I don't believe they played South Carolina, but obviously that's a matchup with great history in you know in recent years, obviously. And then Texas, yeah. if they make the national championship game, I mean, then you're talking about a historic Cinderella run, obviously, as a, for a sixth seed. So lots to look forward to. Um, so I don't know. T- Tim, do you got anything else, I guess, on the, the women? I mean, what else is there to say? They just, you know, they continue to amaze in – even in this season when, you know, again, like I said, they're young, they're inexperienced, and they really, you know, they could have they could have gone out here in a really close game and it would could, could have just been one of those things where you say, you know, what can you do? It's a young team that's going to come back even stronger next year, but they held on in a game that they've lost a lot recently, and now they're two wins away from a national championship, and it's a great feeling. It sure is. So, um, I guess uh, we'll, well, before we wrap this up, I, I do. I feel like we should probably just do a quick uh, catch up and postmortem on the men. Uh, so, uh, when we last spoke, I, I don't believe the news on Brendan Adams' transfer had gone had uh, broken yet. I think, in fact, I think we were speculating or not speculating about it. Uh, we were being all responsible, and then literally like twelve hours later, Brendan Adams is like, "I'm out." <laughs> so. That's official. Uh, we know that Josh Carlton is also going to be a graduate transferring to another program, and he'll play his final year of college somewhere else too. Uh, now, I wouldn't say that either of those are necessarily a big surprise. Uh, we're still waiting on what the deal with uh, Whaley and Polly is. I think uh, Hurley said he they're like evaluating their professional opportunities. So presumably, I don't I don't think either of them would necessarily be NBA prospects, but. You know, obviously, there's a you know a lot of pro basketball around the world, and I could see them both being, you know, potentially big players in one of those leagues. So, I don't know. Um, so as it stands now, I guess you know UConn is, I suppose, in a transfer market. So, any thoughts on where UConn stands in that front? And uh, I don't know, maybe quick th- thoughts on you know Brendan and uh, you know Josh as they move on. Yeah, you know, I've I've said so much about Josh Carlton in the last few weeks and just what he's meant, even. In a limited role this season, he came in and had some fantastic appearances for UConn this year, and he was such an important part of the team the last few years. So, you know, he's going to be a great pickup for someone. I think I saw he's ranked as, like, the 17th best transfer uh, 
player in the transfer portal, or at least that was a few days ago. You know, someone's going to get a really, really quality big man who's going to help them for a year, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a great pickup for them. So just wishing Josh all the best, and obviously the same to Brendan. You know, it's it's tough. He was Hurley's first recruit when he came to UConn, but obviously, you know, they've got a lot of you know a lot of great guards in the program. You know, either there now or coming in, and it's it was going to be tough for him to see a lot of minutes going forward, and you just. Like he's he's an incredibly talented player, so he's gonna do well wherever he goes. Also, yeah, and, and you just you know, hope for the best. I mean, I think early in the season, I think it was the first game of the year, he had an outstanding game against Central, and I was jokingly going like, "Oh, Brendan Adams, sixth man of the year in the Big East," and you know, it ended up being a Husky, but obviously Adams' <laughs> role was really limited, and you know, that's unfortunate, but you know, it was just matter of circumstance, and you know. Thank you to him for you know for being part of this program and always working hard and he's going to do well. Yeah, two or, he's got two years, so you know he has a chance to really uh, you know go someplace and I mean it's like almost like having two separate college careers, I guess. You know he has a solid three year yeah. run at UConn and then you know going to play play somewhere else, hopefully make a big impact at a. I mean, I I don't know where he'd I don't know where he'd land exactly, but still you know he's got a good skill set. He can hit he can hit threes. You know if he gets some minutes, he can maybe get into a rhythm. So. Then, uh, yeah, so I guess that just sort of leaves us to kind of that where we were last week with UConn, which is uh, the men at least, which is just like kind of wait and see. You know, you know, obviously if Whaley and or Polly come back, that'll be a, a, make a big difference. You know, uh, the trans, you know, if, if UConn lands a guy like, Tr- you know, Trey Mitchell or, I mean, or, or somebody yeah. else like that, I mean, that would be huge. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an interesting spot. Like, you know, there's a lot of reason for optimism. I don't know about you, but like, is it just me or do, should we like be more excited about Jordan Hawkins? Like I, he's just, I, I just heard he got like invited to like the, one of the national high school dunk competitions or something. And he plays for DeMatha, which is one of the, the best high schools in the country. And he was just awesome. Like, is it just me or is like, like, are we sleeping on him? That feels like I, I'm I, guilty of this. I, I feel like, yeah. you know, like we're all talking about like, you know, Oh, book Knight's leaving, you know, like who's going to score It's like, I don't know. I mean, like, was Book Knight all that heralded coming out of out of high school? Like, I mean, if if you know if Book Knight was as great as he was, then like maybe we should like consider the possibility that Hawkins could come in and actually be like pretty good, or I don't know. Wait, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I said, I think I'm I'm guilty of sleeping on him. You know, I talk so much about Diggins and I talk so much about Johnson, and you know, Hawkins has is has outstanding talent coming out of high school, and you know he's gonna. You know, hopefully he can come in and have a big impact right away. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've seen it's really tough for freshmen to come in and make an instant impact. But, you know, we saw over the course of Book Knight's freshman year, he really, he grew into the game. And we saw over the course of Andre Jackson's freshman year and Adama Sonogo, they really, Sonogo more so obviously started to grow into the game. I think Hawkins could come in and have a have a great impact right away. He's got kind of that explosiveness of Jackson, it seems like. And, you know, if... They can if they can get in minutes and he can be productive early on. That's that's going to be a lot of fun because you know this is a really talented class they have coming in. Just these these three guys, it's a top ten class, and they're all excited to be here. They're all recruiting for UConn already. It seems like for the next few years. So you know I think 
I think they've got a good thing going with these three guys. Yeah, I feel like it's just like every time we talk about next year's team, we're usually focused on the veterans or we're focused on, I don't know, like people who like possible transfers. Like, you know, Diggins is a guy I feel like we kind of have a decent idea of what to expect from him. Like he's either going to be the first you know guard off the bench or he's going to start. And I guess, you know, he, he and Gaffney, I, pres- I guess I'll probably kind of be competing for that role. But either way, they're both yeah. going to see the court a ton. Whereas, like, you know, Hawkins is in a position where, like, you know, I suppose he and Andre Jackson, I guess, would be competing for, you know, the starting spot that Book Knight had all this time. But who, right. who knows? Or, or they could just both be or like, you know, or Andre could learn how to score and, you know, add that to his already <laughs> prolific talent. Like we, he's dominant at basically everything else already. So maybe we get that in Andre. Jordan comes in and is awesome. And then we have some kind of st- st- ridiculous lineup with both of them. I don't know. All Andre has to do to become a prolific scorer is stop shooting threes. If he realizes that he's just more athletic than everyone and can get to the rim and doesn't have to settle for an outside shot, he'll be fine because watching him shoot threes is miserable. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Um, Yeah, well, you know what, it's... Yeah, well, to be Andre had a weird year. Uh, I think, and we, yeah. well, you, oh, for sure, uh, every yeah. college basketball had a weird year. So you know, we yeah, give yeah. We'll, Houston's in the Final Four. It's a really weird year. That is that is a, that is a true statement. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. They they yeah. look at who do they play? They played all double digit seeds on their way. Like what is that? 15, 10, 11, 12. That's I mean, you know, credit to them. They you know they had a they had a good year. You know, but. It just feels like it just got laid out in front of them perfectly. It, it feels like a very Syracuse-esque run without sneaking into the tournament on Selection Sunday. Yeah, well, you know what? Shout out to Houston for at least putting nipping that in the bud. I mean, they they took they swept yeah. they swept them. How many points did Syracuse score? They they didn't even get to fifty. That was yeah, good good for Houston. That was that was good. They're yeah. cool. They're cool. Honestly, like of all the things about the American, like I think Houston is what I hated the least. Like they were, they were yeah, fine. I actually, you know, and especially like by last year, like you looked at all the teams in the American Houston was the one team where you're like, okay, well that's it. That they're, they're good. Everyone else is just fake good. So, you know, yeah. good for them, but they're what SMU wanted to be a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They, they both hired criminal coaches, but like, you know, Larry, Larry Brown was like, when I say criminal, I mean, by the NCAA's ridiculous standards, what Kelvin Sampson w- went through was crazy. Like he, he was texting recruits, like he was ahead of his time, whatever, not a big deal. Yeah. Whereas, you know, compared to Larry <laughs> Brown, who's like a walking NCAA violation. Although to be honest, like the NCAA rules are such, you know, such BS anyway, that like shout out to Larry Brown for just like blatantly not giving, you know, giving a crap yeah. about it. But still, I, I'm not sure SMU really benefited from it in the long run. They were they, no. their best. Their best team in program history was the year where in 2016, where they were banned from the tournament. So, you know, true. not great <laughs> because of because of Larry Brown's wizardry. Specifically, it was it literally yeah. happened like, in, like immediately. It was not a secret. Shout <laughs> out to the, that the team that wasn't that the team that we talked about earlier in the year that had Demarius Thomas on it. Oh, my God. Was it? Yeah, you I might be right. <laughs> Wait, no, no, not to me. Was it? No, no, Sutton. Uh, Cortland Sutton, wasn't it? Oh, Cortland Sutton. That's what. Yeah, I was going to say, was, Demarius Thomas, I think. Right team, I think. Yeah, Demarius Thomas, didn't he been in the league for like a decade now? Actually, is yeah, he even fair. still in the I, league? He might not be. Is he? <laughs> I think, well, last I heard, he was with the, the Jets, but like, I don't know if he's stuck. Yeah. This is the content yeah. that people are listening for. They want to hear all about where yeah, Demarius is- Thomas is at. 
Yeah, that's right. Cortland Sutton uh, playing this is basketball. Another one of our trademark rabbit holes. <laughs> well, whatever. You know, it's UConn men's. The UConn yeah. men's season is over. So, like, you know, whatever. The, we the weird things are going to happen. Um, exactly. Well, and that seems like probably a good place to leave it before we discuss any more American stuff. Uh, as we speak, uh, the Baylor Arkansas game is going on, so we don't know what's going on there. You guys will all know in the morning. And then, uh, you know, you got the Gonzaga USC game uh, tomorrow, t- Tuesday. I keep saying tomorrow. You guys all listening, it's today. And um, I'm having a moment here. Uh, Michigan and uh, UCLA. Okay, we need to talk about this. Mick Cronin has won four NCAA tournament games with UCLA. What the hell is going on? It's wild. Like, again, this tournament this year is so weird. Mick Cronin isn't out in the first weekend, and he's a win away from the Final Four against a team that is somehow, like, I can't believe Michigan's at this point, playing without, you know, playing without one of their best bigs, and they've managed to make it this far. I had them out in the second round, and, man, I feel like it's just, like, set up for UCLA to make the Final Four. Like, it's just, it's so weird that, of course, it's going to happen. And, of course, it's Mick Cronin. Yeah, Mick Cronin, you know, the famously, you know, one of the world's greatest tournament postseason coaches has led one of the greatest winners in college basketball history almost to the final four as an 11 seed through the first four round. Like exactly what we all expected, right? Makes perfect sense. It makes no sense. This is ridiculous. What, what this, what planet are we living on here? <laughs> he's, he's Shaka smart for a new age. Shaka smart. Oh, that's another thing that yeah, happened. That, We're going to be seeing Shaka smart next year twice. Yeah, that matters. Yeah. That that's a whole relevant thing. Yeah. I mean, good for him. Yeah. Honestly, like good for him for just reading, like reading the room and being like, you know what? I'm out. I'm you, you, yeah. you guys don't get to fire me. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> As really quickly before we go, I also speaking of that, because the, the 24 hours before that, my head was spinning. I have to walk back the fact that I've been saying on this podcast that there's going to be two more years of Kudus Wahab at Georgetown, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and it's going to be a nightmare when he plays against UConn. And now he's not going to be playing for Georgetown anymore. Yeah, that's weird. Do you, is there anything come out about what that's all about? I've been trying to find stuff. I've got nothing. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand. There's, like, I'm sure, like you know, well, obviously, there's got to be a reason for it, but... It just seems like, you know, leaving leaving Georgetown as a big man playing for Patrick Ewing after winning the Big East tournament, it just, I don't know. It's it weird. It's really weird. It's super weird. Yeah. It, like, I don't know what to make of it. Like, considering, like, you know, you know Mac McClung and uh, James Akinjo transferring now Kudus Wahab too, like, what's what's up? Like, I don't know, like... Yeah. Patrick, like Patrick Ewing, can't be like that bad to play for. Like he, see, he doesn't strike no. me as like a like a bad dude. And, and I don't know. It's he would have obviously he would have been like an All Big East Conference like you know contention next year. So and as playing time certainly yeah. wouldn't have been an issue. I mean, I guess the you know Ryan Matumbo coming in is, I suppose a, you know, I guess a, a thing maybe. I don't know, but like yeah. should he be really be worried about that? Like it seems like they would, you know, if, if Matumbo is as good as people think he's going to be, then they'd, they'd just probably be the two best players on the team. And you just kind of go and whack people. <laughs> I don't know. That's exactly. weird. The pack, get back to those big Georgetown teams of the past. I hope Georgetown's good next year, man. Like this is a big yeah. setback. You got a good class coming in. I, yeah. So. That class is good. Yeah. I, I like Yeah, so much more fun when Georgetown is, is good. It's the league, the league exactly. will be better for it. So anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> Why don't we leave it there? Uh, there'll be a whole lot yeah. more to talk about next week. Um, so actually, I, I should 
here. I should probably pull this up uh, to maybe try to stall for me real quick. So, oh yeah, so the final four semifinal games are on April 2nd. So that's Friday, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay, and that means yeah, the championship so uh, game is on Sunday. Yeah. Right. All right, cool. So then that means that by the time we record next, we will know if Yukon uh, will either be a national champion or we'll be, I don't know, lamenting another missed opportunity, I guess. So big big <laughs> week coming up for sure. Uh, Tim, anything else oh, yeah. before we, uh, we call us a night? No, just got to say I love I love the attention that's been on this tournament. I love all the attention that was on this game from people who we wouldn't normally see on, you know, on Twitter or anywhere else during a game like this, especially when there was a men's elite eight game on, no matter who the matchup was. Uh, this was just such a great, a great showcase. Once again, these last two games have been for women's basketball and especially for this UConn team. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, shout out to shout out to the UConn women. Shout out to Paige Beckers, the uh, the butt uh, the butt tapping three point making legend, and uh, yeah, let's uh, see. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have some good games to talk about in our future. So, let's leave it there. You guys all know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M A C C E R U L L O. DMs are open, and you can email us at yesuconnpodcast at gmail and uh, yeah, leave five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And um, yeah, we'll uh, enjoy the rest of the week. And you guys all have a good one. Talk to y'all later. Mm-hmm.